Rewind it back to the days of chillaxing on the beach and all-day fun with Spring Break on DraftKings Casino. Play exclusive games like Fan Fave Rocket. The excitement is endless, the vibes are right, and the cash prizes could be huge. New players, start playing with just 5 bucks and get 100 back instantly in casino credits. Download the app and use code COLLEGEDRAFT to book your one-way ticket to fun with DraftKings Casino. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Pour yourself a cold one. They strike them, huh? And listen to Russ Tucker break down the top college prospects on another tasty edition of The College Draft. Yeah, it is Daddy Soda time here on the College Draft Podcast. We are presented by betonline.ag. Use that promo code podcast one to get the 50% welcome bonus, your online sportsbook experts. So fired up for part two of Mike Renner. Let's dive into it. What does he think of Tua? What does he think of Herbert and Fromm? Who are the dudes for next year's draft that he already feels good about? Who are the guys that, yeah? And what about just the class overall? What, what are the positions that are hot? What are the positions that are not? Can't wait to dive into it. I've been mentioning this every week. Look, we're giving away free entries to play against me and Evan Silva in a season-long fantasy feast league. It's awesome. You want to go against the best Evan Silva? Actually, you want to go against the best me and the second best Evan Silva? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Don't get sensitive. I know Evan's the best. But at any rate, you can do it. Take advantage of any of the sponsors over at RossTucker.com or buy somebody a story at MyFrontPageStory.com for their birthday or anniversary or whatever. Amazon banner ad. You can just rate and review the show. So many different ways that you can contribute just a little bit to what we do here at RT Media with all of the different podcasts, including listening to more shows. If you don't already listen to The Feast and Even Money or Business of Sports or Ross Tucker Football Podcast, that guy's awesome. You absolutely should. You already listened to a great one, though, and that's this show, The College Draft, with Mike Renner from PFF. Let's dive into it. All right, Mike. So last week we talked all about Pro Football Focus. Mike Renner, obviously, hopefully you already listened to last week's episode. He is the lead draft analyst for Pro Football Focus, which is a monster now when it comes to evaluation of football, really at every level. Highly recommend you follow Mike on Twitter at PFF underscore Mike. Very bright guy. He's You know how I know he's bright? He got into Notre Dame without being a football player, so that means he's bright. 
He has an accounting degree from Notre Dame, which means he's bright. But he knew better than to actually become an accountant, which really means he's bright. So he's he's the triple threat here. Uh, Mike from Milwaukee. So, Mike, I want to dive into this week. I want to dive into the actual 2019 college football season and the 2020 draft. And I guess I guess the start would just be based on what we know now. Uh, does it look like it's going to be a really good draft? Does it look like it's going to be uh, a bad draft somewhere in the middle? I know you, you know, you just got this particular role recently and we've got a whole season of college football to play. And maybe every year it feels like I know a, a bunch of guys already that are projected as first round picks and that's probably not any different. But just overall, can you kind of give me your thoughts? on this class heading into the season? I think it's a fairly thin draft in terms of breadth of talent at this point in terms like guys who are immediate starters. But I do think there are probably four to five guys I would put as blue chip rare type talents that will be coming out uh, or that are probably going to be coming out in 2020. Uh, Jerry Judy being one of them, Alabama wide receiver, AJ Ipanisa, the Iowa defensive end, Chase Young, the Ohio State defensive end. And then I'd I'd probably throw in uh, Bryce Hall also into that category. Uh, the Virginia cornerback could be blue chip type of, you know, top five. I, the first three I would easily pencil into the top five picks for next season uh, that are just I, I don't really have to. I don't need any more tape to evaluate them. I just know they're going to be ridiculously good NFL players. Uh, so, okay, so again, those were Jerry Judy, A.J. Espinosa, and who was the other one? Chase Young. Chase Young, okay. And then Bryce Hall. And then Bryce Hall. Might be just a category. little step behind, but I think he's up there as well. Got it. You know what's interesting? Funny story. So I live not even a mile from Bishop McDevitt High School. Uh, here in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, which is where, you know, Ricky Waters and LaShawn McCoy went. And that's where Bryce Hall went. I actually saw him at a, at the Red Robin. <laughs> I was with my kids after he committed to Virginia when he was still in high school and had a chance to talk to him a little bit. He and his father there, really a good sized kid. And I know there were a lot of people that were kind of surprised, Mike, that he didn't leave school this year to enter the NFL draft. What do you see from him that makes you think, you know, he's a really good player, maybe a step behind those other guys, but a really good player? He just has this absurdly big wingspan. I think while wingspan can get overrated, it's not the end all be off. You know how to use it. I think it can give you so much, make you Make, give you so much room for area at the corner, cornerback position. I think that's why Richard Sherman doesn't have to be this freak athlete to shut down one whole side of the field. It's because if you get your hands on a guy and the wide receiver can't get him off of him, you're going to win. You know, you're going to win that rep. And I think that's what we see from Bryce Hall at Virginia when he gets up and press. He'll just take a guy out of the progression entirely, uh, and he uses that wingspan also to break up balls at the catch point routinely uh, gets his hands, you know, that just ability when you have long arms, broad shoulders to get 
all the way around a wide receiver's body to the ball before he can get to the ball. I think you see that again and again on tape uh, was top five in the country in terms of forced incompletions this past season. Uh, I love his instincts, even in off coverage, when he is asked to do that there at Virginia. And they run a bunch of different coverages. They don't just keep him in press. And so he was uh, the second highest graded for us uh, cornerback in the country last year. So a lot to like from that perspective. I am surprised at me as well that he did not come out uh, last season. And I was surprised to learn he was only something like a two-star coming out of Bishop McDevitt. He was not highly recruited going to Virginia, even though, you know, since day one in our grading system, he's been grading out very well for them. Yeah, I don't even know. I don't think he played that much defense. I think he. I think he was primarily a wide receiver. Oh, interesting. If memory serves, yeah. he he was primarily a wide receiver at Bishop McDevitt. I'm not. I'm not sure. I don't think he played defense till his senior year, if at all, Mike. I mean, because I, I, you know, I live here. I, I think mm-hmm. he was mainly just a receiver, and and I don't know that he was, you know, they they had his year. I want to say three Division One receivers, so he just didn't end up getting the ball that much. Mm-hmm. And the other two guys had a little more juice, I think, and wiggle, and so they were kind of flashier, if memory serves. Um, but yeah, that's interesting. That that's really interesting, and it wasn't a great draft for corners. So it seems like it would have been the opportune time for him to leave this past year. Exactly, I think he would have been quite easily the first cornerback drafted if he would have come out. And next year, I think is a better cornerback class. He just has a little more talent than this past year. You just had limited guys in the 2019 draft. Even uh, who was the first one off the board was it was Byron Murphy the first one who went. Even him, it was uh, he was we were high on him, but we thought. You know, not really going to be great in man coverage, great in zone coverage, uh, you know, undersized, has his sort of knocks on him. Uh, I think Bryce Hall could have easily been the first cornerback off the board if he declared, but he's back in Virginia here. So it's interesting because A.J. Espinosa, um, I am fortunate that I call, it used to be called the, uh, the U.S. Army Bowl. Uh, this past year was the first year it was called the All-American Bowl, and I call that every year for NBC, and I was really impressed with him a couple years ago. He was a five-star kid who was going to Iowa, so that always automatically jumps out to you because that's just kind of a Mm -hmm. rare thing. Um, But I believe he's from Iowa City. I know his dad played at Iowa, so he, he had a lot of reasons to go there. And he didn't even start for them last year, right? I mean, you're saying he's a top five slam dunk, going to be a great NFL player. And I don't even think he started for the Hawkeyes last year as a true sophomore. He did not. Yeah, he took the fifth most snaps of anyone along that defensive line, 412 snaps. But which, I mean, obviously, I would love to know exactly the behind the scenes workings, why that ended up that way. But he Grade-wise, he probably should not have been taking the fifth most snaps. He's, he dominated when he was on the field, and uh, the dude is a horse. is absolutely enormous, but yeah, I still feel what, what we're going to see from the season, I feel confident that he's going to uh, start lighting it up here. What is he at the next level? I, I always like, and I, I know it's dangerous, but I always like current NFL player comparisons just so people have you know some idea of you know the type of player he is he so he is 
I think you can't. The first thing that really jumps out, and the first thing if with if you have any comp, it just has to be a guy who's absolutely enormous. You have to be someone who's in the six 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 seven range, uh, defensive end. Uh, my comp for him is probably in the Carlos Dunlap ish range. I think that's who he reminds me of. Just someone who he controls every single interaction. I, I think actually the comp I went with. I'm looking at our uh, draft guide now that we're building for this upcoming season. The comp I went with actually was Jared Allen. I think that's who he reminds me of in terms of just Jared Allen. I think he just won every interaction. He was just that size and that power that he had in his arms was so prodigious that he was going to control, basically control every interaction he was a part of. You were as an offense tackle, just fighting for your life, trying to block that guy. And I think that's what you see from college tackles trying to block AJ Benisa. What about um, Chase Young, just a, a special mover, special player? Yeah, exactly. I think at 6'5", uh, you just you can't teach guys to. He could probably play tight end if he wanted to at a high level in the NFL. He's just that special of an athlete. Uh, and already, you go to Ohio State, you're going to know how to rush the pass. You're going to get the best coaching in the country. Every guy, it seems like, that comes out of there has four to five pass rushing moves that they use. And Young, yeah, no exception there. He actually led the NCAA as a sophomore in terms of uh, pressures in our system. What about Jerry Judy from Alabama, and how does he compare to Ruggs? I, I think it's he's a clear head and shoulders above Ruggs. Ruggs is exceptionally fast, uh, but I think he's still getting there. He's still very much a work in progress as a route runner. I wouldn't even be surprised if he doesn't even uh, declare this year, comes uh, comes back for another year at Alabama just to be try- kind of the top dog because Judy's going to be the top dog there this year. He just, even against, even comparing him to the top wide receiver prospects in this draft, he moves differently. He just has this, his legs look like they're made of, uh, you know, stretch Armstrong material, the way he just stops and, can give guys dead legs in the open field, uh, exceptional route runner, ball skills. I, there's like, I wrote actually in the draft guide, I don't think there's a single thing about the wide receiver position that he doesn't do at an elite level. He's, he's almost Odell Beckham-ish coming out in terms of he doesn't fit the prototype, the Julio Jones, the Calvin Johnson. He doesn't look like them, but there's no reason that he shouldn't be talked about like them as a prospect. He's just that talented. Um, what about... Overall, are there positions that are considered strong this year and positions that are are considered weak coming into it? Because I know that it sounds like and seems like more and more NFL teams are taking that into account. They are kind of taking a sneak peek to the next year when when they do some of these things. I think the wide receiver position is going to be like that 14 class. Uh, in terms of there, you're going to see six, five, six guys go in the first round. And I wouldn't be surprised if three or four of them are just studs right off the bat, you know, number one type of wide receivers. I think the wide receiver class is very special. It's been almost, it's been our, in our self scout of position by position, our evaluations it has been our most difficult position to evaluate where we have our probably worst track record. And I think the NFL is in agreement with us in terms of the track record that they've seen drafting wide receivers highly 
over the past, you know, five years, ever since that 2014 class, it's just been a difficult position to evaluate. But I think this year it's not going to be very difficult. There's a lot of guys who are just extremely talented and will be productive players at the NFL level. So I'd I'd put wide receiver definitely going to be a good class. I, I think the running backs could be a fairly good class as well. At least better back to where you probably see a few guys go in the first round. So I think those two definitely stand out. And I do actually think that edge and defensive line in general, from what I've seen is weaker after, you know, as I mentioned, there's, there's two blue chip guys. There's probably not another guy that I would say I definitely put them at the edge position at the defensive, even maybe one more defensive lineman, uh, Javon Kinlaw that I definitely put in the first round, but uh, out of South Carolina, but that's about it at this point in terms of defensive lineman. Whereas this past year, we saw 13, was it 13 offensive linemen go in the first round? Maybe 12 offensive line, or defensive linemen go in the first round. You routinely see 10-plus. Uh, I'd be hard-pressed to see 10 guys who are that talented along this defensive line class go round one. What about uh, the quarterbacks? People, of course, always are interested in the quarterbacks. Let me know what you're thinking about these guys, how you kind of have them stacked up right now. I think two is number one, and he's always you're going to hear the debate about his arm strength, uh, you know, routine from now till April if he does declare, or now through you know for the next couple of years if he doesn't. His arm strength is right on that borderline of what you want for the NFL. It's a step above Kellen Moore, uh, probably on par with someone like a Cody Kessler, where it's just not great, and it's never going to be great. But I don't think you necessarily need it to be a great quarterback at the NFL level. He does a lot of other things. Uh, and I think his legs are almost underrated at this point in terms of he can, he has pocket escapability. You can run him on read option stuff and be a threat there. So I think with all that said, his accuracy numbers in our advanced, uh, we, we track the ball placement of every throw, uh, on, uh, every, every college throw throughout the season and how far it was that stuff. He had the most perfectly placed balls of any quarterback or had the highest percentage of perfectly placed balls of any quarterback in the country last year. That's one thing that we think translates and we've seen translate very well. You know, guys like Baker Mayfield were very good at, you know, the perfectly placed ball, putting it right on a guy in stride. Tua is as well. So we have him at number one at this point. And I like Justin Herbert. I, I think from an accuracy arm strength perspective, he offers more. He has as much as anyone in this class, but I just, the mental part of Justin Herbert, I think that's why he came back is because he has these games on tape where it looks like he's completely overwhelmed, where it looks like the moment gets to him and you don't know what he's thinking. I, I think he just needs to not have those games because that they're so worrisome. Uh, and even I was talking with Zach Robinson, who's now the quarterback coach of the Rams, used to work with us in our quarterback role. And he just was saying something about, you know, something gets in his head that I would be terrified to draft him. And this is when he was thinking about coming out. He said, I'd be terrified to draft him highly just because uh, there's something mentally there that's just not quite right at the moment that didn't quite look right on tape that's interesting so i didn't realize Tua's arm strength was a concern like that i thought people felt like he could spin it pretty good yeah i think it's it's just not going to look like a josh Allen. it's not going to look like justin herbert you put them next to each other it's going to be weaker but it's in our opinion you know at pff we accuracy is far, 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 far more important than arm strength. It's there's arm strength is almost like a threshold of, do you have enough to get by? I think Tua does. 
then at that point, we're not, you're splitting hairs uh, in terms of how fast a guy really can throw the ball. You don't need that cannon to play football at a high level at the quarterback position. Um, what about Jake Fromm, the quarterback from Georgia? I like him I, I, from in an accuracy perspective, being able to control a game. But I just I want to see that Georgia offense just never opens it up, and I hate. It. It's it's not it's not a knock on him, and it's almost like you know it's me being as a bad evaluator, not being able to see it. But I think there is a difference between uh, it's it's sort of like comparing Dak Prescott's rookie season, where he's asked to do not a lot in that Cowboys offense. He hands it off thirty, forty times a game, and then just has to make a few key third down conversions to me that's Jake Fromm at this moment they never just really let him give him the ball and say go win us this game it's always 40 runs 15 20 passes in that offense uh, it's just difficult to get a true uh, feel for who he's going to be as compared to someone like Oklahoma's offense where you're slinging the ball over the football field it's on you to win that game so I don't know I think I just need to see more tape from him to really put him in that group with Tua and Herbert so, I guess the national what's it NFS? What does that stand for? National scouting or national football mm-hmm. scouting? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, they they released their grades on seniors, and they had eight seniors that received uh, you know the equivalent of first round grades, and it was Herbert was one of them. Washington offensive tackle Trey Adams. Auburn defensive tackle Derek Brown, Alabama defensive lineman Raquan Davis, who I thought like two years ago was unbelievable and then didn't do as much last year, it seemed like. LSU corner Christian Fulton, South Carolina D tackle Javon Kinlaw, you already talked about him. Mm-hmm. Vanderbilt tight end Jared Pinckney, you mentioned last week's episode, and Notre Dame defensive end Julian Aquara. Uh, any guy stand out to you there, either positively or negatively, or you know guys that you really agree with, or or really aren't as high on based on how PFF does it? Yeah, there are actually a few or a couple that were very interesting to me. The Aquara one, I was actually ups- upset about. Well, I guess I can't be too upset about it because. Uh, he was kind of my sleeper for this class. I was saying, you know, Julian Aquara, I was kept saying at the end of last year when Notre Dame was making their run that I think their defensive line is getting slept on. Jerry Tillery is one of the best defensive tackles in the country, and Aquara is actually le- looks like a legit NFL prospect. Uh, and then they sort of stole my thunder. He was going to be one of my guys uh, in the draft guide upcoming here that I was going to push highly. I think I was going to put him at edge three behind Ipanisa and Chase Young that I talked about. So they stole my thunder on that one, but he is uh, a much better prospect than his brother was, uh, Romeo, coming out. Uh, much more athletic uh, and already uses his hands extremely well as a pass rusher. That one was uh, sort of stole my thunder there. But the interesting one to me, I mentioned Jerry Pinkney last week. I think he legitimately is uh, on par with uh, a TJ Hawkinson in terms of receiving ability. Uh, if he would have, I'm, I'm not surprised he didn't come out last year with a strong tight end class, uh, may have gotten lost in that shuffle. Uh, and obviously at Vanderbilt probably wants to get his degree. But I, I think he uh, is every bit that sort of prospect could go. Uh, I'd be very surprised if he doesn't go round one. Uh, a lot of, a lot of he just looks like a wide receiver 
in terms of the way he gets in and out of his cuts and routes. Very different to me than a guy like Noah Fant, and much more of the guy I'd rather have compared to someone like Noah Fant, where Noah Fant's very, when he's running in a straight line, he looks like an uber athlete. You ask him to run a dig route, and all of a sudden, uh, all that athleticism sort of goes out the window. Jerry Pinckney sets up guys like a wide receiver. He can sink his hips and you know not lose any speed on his cuts. I, I think he is going to be... Uh, the comp, my comp for him was Antonio Gates in terms of he's not he might not test freakishly athletic, but he's going to get open at the NFL level. He's going to be a productive tight end. Any guys that y- you feel like uh, maybe don't deserve to be having their name in the first round conversation out of that group? Well, I think there's two guys out of this group that we at PFF are just always going to say we need to see more from from a grading perspective. One's Trey Adams. Uh, the off tackle out of Washington. Now, last year, he had the neck injury, comes back, gets absolutely torched by Chase Young in the bowl game. No shame getting torched by Chase Young, but he just didn't look like himself. He just didn't look like he was fully healthy and fully ready to be back. Uh, so we you know, obviously need to see him healthy for a full season. But even this year before that, uh, one of our best metrics that has pro- proved to be, you know, project best from college to the pro, one we're just not willing to take a risk on and put a guy highly of, if he doesn't do well in his pass blocking efficiency, if you're just getting beaten a lot in college, uh, chances are that's just not going to change in your favor. Once you get to the NFL, you should be winning against guys who are playing college football and likely will not play in the NFL. It only gets harder. And so he's just never done well in that metric is just has too many losses for us to be high on. There are only so many guys who are six, eight, 300 pounds who are able to move. He's one of them. Uh, so that's why, teams are going to be high on him, but we just need to see more. And the other one is you touched on Raquan Davis. Uh, again, just has not consistently been able to rush the passer at a high level. And if you're not beating college offensive linemen routinely, well, is that going to change once you face pro offensive linemen who are bigger, faster, stronger, and you know better technique and have been doing it for longer? I'm not sure it will, but Raquan Davis, I can see why teams are high on him. Again, Six foot seven, extremely long arms, gets off the line of scrimmage well, shows the power. But if you go through and just watch uh, his tape of all his pressures, he has, I think, uh, all but two or three came via the exact same, via two moves one the bull rush, one an inside uh, push pull move. And so when a guy has two moves, you just you get worried about that. He needs he's at Alabama, you know, similar to the Rashawn Gary thing. If you'll remember from last week, he got the best coaching in the country. It's not going to change once he gets to the NFL. He's going to get this better coaching. Why doesn't he have more pass rush moves? That's you know a question that I'd have to answer if I was a scout. Mike, this was fantastic. Really, really enjoyed it. Back to back weeks, back to back episodes. Getting your insight. It'll be fun to. Keep doing this each and every week as we move along. It, it's almost here, man. I mean, it's July. Right. Uh, you know, we've got NFL training camps opening up. College, I guess, is early August, most of them. Although there's like some college football games like August 24th this year, like August 25th. I think there's some that open, start up even earlier. It's coming too quickly. I just realized our, so our draft guide's dropping in under uh have to wrap up my part of it in under a month now which is really feeling the squeeze it's getting it's getting here so i'm excited so about wait a minute that. what do you do you do a draft guide before the season even starts 
So we, yeah, that's our new thing we're dropping this year is a preseason draft guide, 150 prospects. We're doing background info on all these guys telling you, you know, hey, Bryce Hall, he was a two star. Uh, I think we got, it's another guy who's doing that digging, but he's probably going to figure out that, hey, you know, he played with, you know, multiple other uh, wide receivers that were D1 guys coming out. That's why he was only a two star, only switched to defense, that sort of stuff. We're going to give you all that background info, give you our evaluations on these guys pre uh, their, you know, upcoming season and give you a big board draft rankings, mock draft, that sort of things coming up, uh, sometime middle of August here. That is awesome. Make sure you are following Mike on Twitter at PFF underscore Mike. Hope you guys enjoyed the last two weeks as much as I did. Thank you so much. Really appreciate Mike coming on the show. No, thanks for having me, Ross. Man, I am fired up. So pumped up now for college football. It's going to be here like in almost a month. I mean, there's going to be games in what, five weeks? Six weeks. We got games. We got games. We got games. Anyway, if you want to bet on the games, you go to bet online. That makes sense, right? I would like to bet on the game. How do you do that? You bet online. Where do you do that? Betonline.ag. That seems to make sense to me. The promo code is podcast1. Make sure you do that, A, so they know I sent you, and B, so you get the glorious 50% welcome bonus, which is very, very cool. BetOnline.ag. Let's get ready for college football. Let's get fired up. Go, Spartans, go. It's from my high school. Anyway, I'm a little delirious right now, but I'm fired up. Oh, my gosh. I've said fired up at least 10 times on this show today. I am not fired up about how many times I've said fired up. I'm supposed to be a wordsmith. I'm a podcast host. I'm supposed to have a little variety in the words that I choose to use. So I am pumped up about college football, betonline.ag, Mike Renner. Uh, Keg's kicked. We're all tapped out. Thanks for enjoying your frosty one while listening to the college draft. Chuck, 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 chuck. Make sure you're also subscribing to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Fantasy Feast, and Even Money Podcasts. All available on iTunes at RossTucker.com or wherever podcasts can be found.